scripture, then there's no need for prophecy to say that same thing. So the question is now this. What category do we put situations in which the Holy Spirit highlights a scripture to a believer in direct answer to prayer or when, for example, another believer says, so this is, there are different scenarios now. Number one is when the Holy Spirit brings a scripture to mind in answer to prayer. Or number two, when another believer says, the Lord put this in my heart for you. Number three, when the Lord directs a believer confirmed by another believer to pray specifically about something, and this happens in an extraordinary way, what category do we put this in? Do we still say God is speaking? Pastor Buti is not here. So do we still say God is speaking? Just to attempt, I, I think I don't understand the question, but let me see what I understand. And it, is it in context of if the Bible already says something and then there's no point somebody trying to say, oh, the Lord told me this again. Mm. If that's the context, then, then it's it's the same. It's, uh, I think the proper answer should be uh, if you say you have a leading of the Spirit, you know, to go and preach the gospel, maybe in, in Ghana or Rwanda or anywhere, it's, it's, not, it's not a special revelation. What we are, or, or some special thing to you, what we are after and against. In, if something is in the Bible and then it's not a prophecy, it's not needed. If it's already there, it's not new. The Lord can still tell you, oh, I want you to preach in Ghana. I don't know how he will tell you, but providence can lead you there and you're preaching or you're in another country. But the point is, the Lord Jesus already said, go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So, Ghana is not in space. I mean, it's here. So there's nothing special about you going to go and preach somewhere else. Or there's nothing special. There's no special revelation given to you that is not already in scripture. And if it's already there, the humility should be that, oh wow, I'm obeying. Not that you now see yourself as a special being. That... It's only you, God, give this to just go and preach to this special set of people. No, no, no. That you're just like every normal Christian who is bound by the authority of Scripture to obey. So that's how you should see it. If, if, if at all, that's what the question is saying. Not that you should now see uh, yourself as a special Christian or an apostle that is, as, that is called like Paul. No, it's already in Scripture and Every Christian is bound to obey scripture. And when it's not in scripture, that's when we begin to say, okay, this might be heretical because we cannot back your claim by anything scripture is teaching. 
Okay, thank you, brother. So if I'm to attend the question, um, so let's start from the, the main question is, does God still speak today? Yes, God still speaks today. The question, if the question is, does God still speak today? God speak, still speaks today, that's the answer. The problem now is, how does God still speak today? And that's when we are going to say that God speaks through his word. That's the primary means by which believers hear God, speak to them. So when God is speaking through the sermon, or when the Bible is being read, that's actually God speaking. The Bible tells us that the scriptures are breathed by God's spirit, inspired by God. So the word of God is God speaking. Whenever the word of God is read or preached, properly applied, that is God speaking. So God still speaks. However, I think the problem is, um, what about times when it is not through the Bible or through the preaching of the Bible or through uh, devotion? I think this person's question is a very safe question. It's not a problematic question, actually. So let's take the first example. The Holy Spirit brings a scripture in direct answer to prayer. Is that God speaking? I think that's God leading. God, that's God leading. For example, so today we heard the sermon on assurance of salvation. And then we go home. And then we're washing plates. And then a thought just comes to the mind that guy, you're not a Christian. And then the person remembers the sermon and says, the Holy Spirit indwells me. Uh, I have a positive, I have the genuine confession of Christ and I love the believers. That's actually God bringing to memory what we've heard, what we've listened in scripture, what we've, what we've read in scripture. So a person can read a scripture and five days later, it is brought to remembrance. sometimes in specific situations. That's what God does. The Holy Spirit does that. It's still scripture. The Holy Spirit does that through the word of God. Second example is if somebody comes and says, God lays this in my heart for you. Okay, L let me imagine this, how it works. So, for example, I'm praying for Brother Timothy now. And perhaps he, he, needs, a, he needs a job. A phone. <laughs> so, he needs a phone. And I, I am not praying for him because he actually needs. So, he needs a phone, genuinely. So, I'm praying for him. And as I'm praying for him, Lord, provide for him a phone. And then it just comes to mind that, but you have a second phone. You have a second phone you're not using. What should be my response? I'll take that phone and meet him and say, bro, I think when I was praying for you, it was impressed upon my heart to give you this phone. Or perhaps I know somebody who has a second phone. And during prayer, it just comes to my memory that, why don't you talk to this person about Brother Timothy's phone? And then I go and get it. That's actually God speaking by leading us. And then the third example is when we are praying for something specifically. So, you know why we are being too careful is because we are in 2023. So, let me give an example from the life of Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon was going to be called to a big church. Like, they were going to call him to a prominent church. It was 1819 then. And the man was struggling with it. Like, how will I go here? How will I go here? And then he was walking on this one street in London, I think. And then the scripture came to his mind from Jeremiah. Seeketh thou great things for thyself. And then he began to ruminate upon it. He was praying for direction. Oh. Seeketh thou great. And so that helped him to examine his heart and say, no. 
I'm not seeking great things for myself. I am seeking the advancement of God's kingdom. And for him, that was his confirmation to go ahead and accept that pastorate. So there are times when strange things can happen. Is that not prophecy? It is still the scripture. I don't know. In these three instances, it is still the scripture that God is using. Love your brother. So sometimes a particular brother will be highlighted. In fact, during the sermon, for example, the house that the sermon was coming and love, love, love. And what comes to you is just, Kai, I did broke, I, I, I did broke confidence bad this week. I need to go and ap- apologize to him. That's God using his word. So at the base of all this thing we are saying, God, is the word of God. It is the word of God. So we are not to expect anything new from God as for God coming to give a strange voice. We are not to expect anything spectacular. The very word being preached daily and being meditated upon is spectacular. So I don't want us to be too careful and then we downplay this essential element of the Christian life where the word of God is real and the Holy Spirit is bringing it to our memory. The Holy Spirit is directing us through God's word. And I mean, if some of us know this by experience, but David, sorry, is this your question? So uh, I wanted to just add a little dimension to that, just so you can answer the question. The second part of it, where you said, um, God reminds you of the scripture. Now let's look at it from the point of application. Let's let's for example, for example, right? Um, someone comes to you and say, um, the Holy Spirit laid in my heart this scripture. Isaiah, maybe chapter 31, or and it's a prophecy that the prophet made. So, and says, uh, you know, and then applying to your current situation. But that was a prophecy. So, is it safe to apply that scripture like that, even though it's scripture? Okay, the, the, okay, I understand now. Probably there is a, I did not understand the question properly. So, so, you are saying somebody comes and gives you a word of prophecy. Okay, so I think my first. So I've received plenty of words of prophecy, actually. So if I read, I received the word of prophecy one time that I'm a prophet. <laughs> so I went to visit my friend, and her mom, her mom was a prophetess. And then she looked at me coming into the living room. I said, ah, do you know you're a prophet? And so I'm actually, shall I preach the word of God, I'm a prophet? So usually, but, but the point I'm trying to make is, Listen to what the person is saying. Listen to what the person is saying. God is not bringing new revelation. But it's possible that somebody is reading a scripture and is thinking about you. It's very possible. That the person is reading the scripture, the person is thinking about you. And it's usually the case that that person knows you. Right? So it's not the prophecy of standing on the pulpit and just, the person knows your challenges. I know broad confidence needs money or needs something. And then as I'm reading the scripture, it may just come to me that, uh, uh, but this is something that might be an encouragement to broad confidence. And I'll call broad confidence up and say, while I was reading the scripture today, there's something I read that I think would be helpful to you. Somebody has done it for me before. I was going through a crisis in life. And I shared with a brother and said, pray for me. And I think the next day, while he was reading his Bible, because of that challenge in my life, he felt as though it would be helpful. So he sent me the Bible passage and said, bro, can you read this and pray on this? God, not God did it in my heart, but the point he's trying to say is that while I was reading this scripture, you came to my mind. That's not prophecy. That's safe. But well, somebody now say, God told me to tell you prophetically that Job, Job chapter 15, verse 10, no, that's wrong. 
But if the person comes and says, I was reading scripture and you came to mind, I think that's very safe. It is not unbiblical. Okay, so the, uh, from Sister Eto, okay, let's, let's give bro Wally. Wally. I, I just wanted to say, so what would you say to the vast Bible verse that says, do not despise prophecy? Okay, let's Sister Ituro. I don't have a question. I have a continuation of, you know, the question that you just answered. So about prophecy, a continuation, sorry. So um, there are situations where a person comes and maybe the person is having an issue and then a random official's bystander that doesn't know the person comes and is like, you're going through this and you know, the person doesn't know you. You've not told the person your problems. So the person comes to you and is like, you're going through this. And, you know, we're telling, um, God told me to tell you not to take this, this. And it's true what the person is saying. You are actually going through it. And the person was specific to the point, not vague at all. So what, and the person comes once, and then another random person that you don't know comes and tells you exactly the same thing that you're going through. And like, God tells me that, God tells me to tell you to pray about this and that you should not take that decision. You should, say, you should not say no about it. So what, what's that? Sister Itura, has that happened to you? No. <laughs> no. It's not me. It's happened to So I, had, I have a friend. He's reformed. So, you know, whenever we get into arguments about, you know, this kind of topics, he's like, I'm reformed, Itura. I have these convictions. I have, but look at what happened to me. So that's always the... You know, look at what happened to me, and these are my beliefs. This is what happened to me, verbatim, one on one. So, what would he say? So, about I had that? an experience last last year. I went to visit a brother in Lagos, and so I stayed over in his house, and we got talking. So he asked me a question. I told him my background is MFM, is reformed, and the brother said, "Oh, nice. My background is also MFM." So he now asked me, "What do I think of my palm of change hands?" There's a program uh, Lukoya has first Saturday of every month. What do I think of Palm of Saint as that program? And so I told him uh, that, uh, hey, am I, are you sure that the kind of things happening there are dubious? And so I said, bro, calm down, no. He, so he gave me, a, this thing you are saying, he gave me an experience. He's reformed. He said one day he went there and he was having a, a growth somewhere in his body. And so there's this thing you know, Lukoya does. He will say, tap it. Ah, you, are, you are there. He <laughs> will say, take your hand, and I think this, uh, this idea is from the Old Testament. He says, smite the place three times. One, two, three. And so the brother told me that he went home, and he went home, and that thing had dried up. And he told me, what do I think of it? I told him, I don't know. <laughs> and I'm going to say it as well. The experiences of people... That, that's not scripture. I don't know what happened. And I'm going to say this because I've been in a meeting before where somebody was giving prophecy based on inside information. The person knew that person from somebody else. And so because the person knew the issues in that family, even though the person has not talked to So he came up that day and said, uh, Sister A, come out. This is happening, this is happening. I said, guy, somebody has told you. I, I know the person that told you. Somebody has told you this thing. So in that kind of experience, somebody who is coming from outside, who doesn't know the full story, so I don't know. But what the scripture tells us is that God will speak to us through his word. Particularly, 2 Timothy 3, 
16 to 17 says, The word of God is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. It's verse 17 that hits me always. It is that the man of God may be complete. That is the shaping of our lives in the way God wants it is through his word. Thoroughly equipped for every good work. In other words, everything God wants us to do, every decision he wants us to take from his word, he will direct us. And despise not prophecies. I'll, I'll take a cue from the old guys, the Puritans. Prophecy is preaching. A prophet is the person who takes the word of God upon his lips and proclaims it. So don't despise prophesying. Don't despise the preaching of God's word. So whenever God's word is preached, remember God is speaking. Except we think preaching is something that is just a joke. Whenever God's word is preached, God is speaking. And so when God is speaking, we have a responsibility to hear. So that's how I'm going to interpret. Is, it a, is prophecy the only question? Do you have anything to add? Okay, sorry. Uh, I think I'll just add um, briefly. I, I think at the bottom of these things is um, the question of uh, how to know uh, what God is saying specifically to, to us. And um, for example, the, the, uh, talking about preaching, for example, okay, God says we should go out, but is this, where exactly is he sending me to? Is it Gabon? Is it, uh, is it um, Ghana? Is it, is it Niger? I mean, where exactly is my own? And I think um, it's um, safe to say that God will work it out in our hearts through different means where it could just um, be through circumstances. Like the story of Charles Spurgeon, he mentioned, what happened earlier was that, I think he wanted to see somebody, but he was in another room, and they didn't even know he was there. And the, the, I think the meeting ended or so, was, you could not just see the man. And when he was going back, that was when the scripture came up in his mind. And looking at the circumstances, and the scripture coming to his mind, Spurgeon felt, no, God didn't want me to go there. And sometimes, you might just be thinking where you want to go, and you could just get to your house, look at your, the map, and so just see a map of something, and your heart just, God just draws your heart towards it. How it will happen in each of, in, um, in each of us' um, lives, it's God will play it out. But the basic thing is expectation. When we are expecting the supernatural, to happen. That is, at that point, we are close to being deceived. Because the expectation that something must, something out of this world must happen for me to know that <laughs> this is what God, and the downplaying of what our, what God is uh, drawing our heart to is what begins to lead to confusion. And, uh, uh, and um, there was a time that Dr. Arsis Pro was, um, I think he was trying to switch jobs, and while thinking about the second job, five brethren, I mean, these are not, uh, these are Christians, told him that, I think God wants you to go to this place. I mean, the five brethren said five different places where they believe that God <laughs> wants Dr. Spro to go. And Dr. Spro was like, well, <laughs> I, I, except God wants me to go to five of these places at the same time, some of them must be lying. 
and which, of course, he just had to look where at where he was qualified to. He prayed, and he felt this is where God wanted him to go, and then he went there. So, uh, brethren coming over, if, if you have two or three brothers saying different things, they, you know that at least one of them is, <laughs> is either one of them is right, or the other two are wrong, or the, all the three are even wrong at the same time. So, we must just believe that God will lead us, will pray, and expect him to just uh, drive our attention and our interest to where he wants us to go. Question. Okay, okay, so I just wanted to read um, a portion of scripture here yeah, because many times people on the other side use this prophecy as you know, they, like you said, they want the supernatural experience, they want that mystical, and they always downplay the scriptures, you know. So if you read, um, I think this is Luke chapter 16. When Jesus told this, look, when Jesus told the story about Lazarus and the rich man, yeah, I don't want to read the entire thing. We can go back and, and read it. But if you see from um, verse 27, he said, Then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham. But if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to them, he said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. So I think this is very clear. Jesus Christ was trying to emphasize the sufficiency of scripture you know most of the things that we need that pertains to life and godliness has been given unto us so we don't need any new fresh revelation as it were or any mystical sort of prophetic utterance you know because we have the scriptures and we should be comfortable in in the sufficiency of the scriptures amen thank you brother so we, we had six sermons in um so I know this prophecy was from the first sermon, I believe. The Pastor Abutu preached on Acts chapter 2. So I believe this prophecy is from there. So there was the first John um, 4, 7 to 12, Matthew 5, 8. There was Esther chapter 10. There was First Corinthians 1. And there was this morning. So any questions from any of these sermons that will drop? Okay, so, so how many people have questions? So... Bro Josiah, Bro Solomon. Okay, so Bro Josiah and Bro Solomon in that order, and then we will close. Sorry, can I ask um, two questions? Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, if the if Jesus's ability to um, take away sins, or for let me say forgive sins, is a sign that He is not only the Son of God but God. Isn't that refutable to say that the um, apostles also had the ability to um, forgive and remit sins? And uh, 
My second question is Okay, uh, would you uh, consider that <coughs> maybe if 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 a believer is um, not firmly assured on um, on he on, on their place in heaven, do you, would you consider maybe it's from a place of humility where they um, see their wretchedness and see the mercy of God? But it's, it's enormous that they cannot fathom uh, their own presence near his presence. Okay. Um, maybe let's start from the second question. Yeah, yeah. No, we'll answer this one, then we'll take the last, the second person's question. So, um, the issue of humility and assurance is, it, may, it, it actually makes sense, humanly speaking. Like, um, it makes sense, humanly speaking, that would we not be proud if we come to the point where we are assured of our salvation? And then we are proud enough then to talk anyhow to God perhaps to commit certain kinds of sin. The only problem, however, is that God has put means and he wants us to be assured. He wants us to know that we are Christian. Now, this was the 45-minute, 50-minute sermon. From this Tuesday, for like five Tuesdays, our, Sunday school, our Tuesday Bible study will be on this doctrine of assurance of salvation. So I'm urging us to join so that it will also be a, a sort of addendum to the, to the sermon. John says, by this we know that we have life. God wants us to know that we have life. As a matter of fact, I think it is the person who is assured of salvation that can be truly humble. The person who is not assured of salvation... Now, the thing is, Ba, now, not being assured looks like a good thing. Let's play it out practically. Not being assured. On Monday, you wake up feeling like you're not a Christian. On Tuesday, you wake up feeling like you are a Christian. On Wednesday, you wake up feeling like you're not a Christian. How do you think that person's life will look like? There's no peace. That humility cannot even happen. How can you be humble when you don't even know if you are saved? In fact, lack of assurance will often drive people to lack of joy, sleeplessness. John Bunyan, for example, was almost suicidal. Because you wake up in the morning and you feel as if you are going to hell. That if hell opens up today, you are in hell. How can you be humble? You can't be humble. You keep worrying and worrying. It is assurance that keeps us humble. Because the assured person we say, the last hymn we sang, says, I know not how this saving faith he did impart. I don't know the details. But this one thing I know. I know whom I believed. And that's sufficient for me. I know whom I believe I can rest in Christ and I can be humble and worship him properly. If I don't know who I, I can't be humble when I don't even know whom I, who, who I believe and I'm not assured of my salvation. So humanly speaking, it, it makes sense, but when we look at it from the Bible and human experience practically, it doesn't, it doesn't really work. 
That's the first question. So, brother, I think you attend the first question. All right. Uh, I think the first question is that the apostles have the ability to forgive sins too, right? Did they have the ability to forgive sins too? Or they should have? Ask it again, please. If Jesus' forgiveness of sins points to the fact that he is God, and Jesus at some point in the scripture told the, the apostles that I have given you power to forgive sins, does it also mean that they are God? Does it counter Jesus'? Okay, does it mean that Jesus' ability to forgive does not really point to his divinity? All right. I don't understand the question, best friend. Okay, I think we did uh, Matthew 9 today, and the last part was more of the harvest. So let's take a sneak peek of, of 10, 10 verse 1, if you're there. So I read, and he called to him his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and affliction. Every disease and every affliction. Okay, and so on. I think it's, it's, it's very clear the authority that he gave to them. The ability to forgive sin is not there. That's one. Two. Even if you go through scripture, uh, the apostles, if you go through scripture, their, their message was clear. was very clear. It was to preach the gospel. Signs and wonders accompanying, yes. But it was to preach the gospel primarily. That was what they were called to do. And they were to lay the foundation on the cornerstone, which is Christ were to preach the gospel to point to who can forgive sins in fact if you if you go through first corinthians when there were, division, there were divisions in the church you see paul even saying christ did not send me to baptize first corinthians one when there were divisions i said christ didn't send me to baptize he sent me to preach the gospel i even thank god i'd not baptize some of you if not you would have said maybe you are baptized in the name of paul the whole idea is not to, to think you are equal with Christ. It's, it's quite spelled out and clear in scripture, the kind of authority that he has given you. It's not to be equal with him. You can't even be if he's right. Is, is, is it clear enough? Just, okay, thank you. Please, um, on that second point, I want to add that perhaps um, someone that can forgive sin should be someone that has never sinned. Perhaps um, the ability to mediate before God, the only mediator we have is Christ, who himself walked among us and lived without sin and is spotless and is able to intercede on our behalf. So I... I, I don't know that Peter, I know Peter denied Jesus. I know Peter couldn't have said he lived a sinless life. 
And same goes for all of the um, other apostles who they themselves need Christ uh, to intercede for them. So that's just. Okay, sorry, I can't find the scripture. I know somebody has the scripture. What's the scripture? John 20. Yes. John 20, 23. I've been trying to look. So John 20, 23. Uh, let's start from verse 19. It says, On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked, where the disciples were for the fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so am I sending you. Let's stop there. So let, let's understand when... Um, the point I'm trying to make is... So Jesus says, As the Father has sent me, so have I sent you. Does it mean that in the exact same manner in which the Father sends me, I'm sending you... It doesn't mean that because God sent Jesus to be Savior. So even though Jesus is saying, as the Father has sent me, he's not saying in the exact same way and manner that the Father has sent me, am I sending you? I don't know if you understand. The Father sent him to bring good news of salvation. In that way, Jesus sends us to bring good news of salvation. The Father, we looked at 1 John 4 this morning. The Father sent Jesus to come and die for sins. And Jesus is not sending us to go and die for sins. So, it will help us when we get to verse 23. And when Jesus said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiving them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. So, at first glance, this is, what it means is, Somebody is praying before Apostle Peter, Lord, forgive me. And Peter says, how can God forgive you? And God will not forgive you. I am withholding forgiveness. That's one way to look at it. But if we understand that it's not the exact same way that we forgive, I think it means this. The apostles were unique in the history of the church. That's, there's nobody like the apostles. They literally were the foundation of the church. They had a kind of authority that no one else had. One of the authorities the apostles had, like just many of the things they could do, was that Jesus gave them the ability to perform signs. So these signs are the signs of the apostle to authenticate the ministry of the... Do we understand? So there are certain things that are unique about the apostles. I think in this case, what they are trying to say is, I can interpret it in two ways. The second way is not clear in my head. The first way is very clear. They have the ability to decide who comes in and who doesn't come into the church. Which means they have the ability or the unique privilege to confirm somebody who has been saved. Through the preaching of the gospel. That is... I have to look for an illustration. So the preaching of the gospel has gone forth. They are the ones who are offering salvation through the preaching of the word of God. So when they preach the word of God, people whose sins are forgiven, they can recognize properly. And those whose sins are not forgiven, they can also recognize properly. 
But it's not saying they have the ability to forgive the sins of people. Now, let me say this in a, how does this continue today? So in a church setting, let's assume all of us are members. One person commits grievous sin. And the matter comes before the church membership. Right? So the church members deliberate on the matter and we say this person is not repentant. What does the church do? The church says you are an unbeliever. The church recognizes that which God has recognized. You are an unbeliever. And that person is cast away. When the person repents, the church can call the person back and say, your sins have been forgiven. That's actually how excommunication works. If you are excommunicated, the church is basically, Paul says in 1 Corinthians that don't even associate with that person. You are cast out. So in that sense, you can cast the person out as a church and say, this person's sins cannot be forgiven. And then when the person repents, what we, we are not the ones actually forgiving sin. We are actually recognizing that the sins of that person has been forgiven. So in the context of an apostle, if they declare that your sins have been forgiven, they are not forgiving your sins. They are affirming that your sins have been forgiven. And then if you go off in a lifestyle like church discipline, they can say, because of your constancy in sin, your sins are not forgiven. They are merely recognizing what has happened already. Perhaps this is the case of Ananias and Sapphira. Because they were obstinate and they were not repenting. And they said, you have lied to the Holy Spirit. Basically, you are not even, we can argue about that. You are not Christians. And then they died at that point. So that's an attempt to answer this question. But let's hold the thought till next Sunday. We'll have a better answer for you. But that's just what comes to my mind. In terms of, they are not forgiving sins. They are merely recognizing and affirming that your sins are forgiven. And they are saying, because you are not a Christian, your sins have not been forgiven. It's as if they are putting a stamp upon those who are truly believers as the apostles. Does that make any sense? Or it's just round and round? Does it make any sense at all? It's not a sufficient answer, maybe. But Bralaba wants to... Is when, um, I think it was in First Corinthians, when Paul had to excommunicate a brother and wrote again to them to bring in the brother, being an apostle. Send him away. And he could say, bring him back and restore him properly. So that's how it looks like in the context of church discipline. Yeah. So, bro, Solomon, this is the last question before we, we pray. Okay, thank you. Uh, I wanted to ask the question on the sermon, I think for the second Sunday. That's on let us love one another. And I, I sort of appreciate the way you tried to um, highlight the reality of the fact that you can't like everybody, even as a believer. So, and maybe somehow we underplay that aspect. And the reality of it, how we leave it out, um, I don't know, there may be a challenge there. But I also appreciate how you also highlighted love, how love should be the basis. And today, again, we heard about that. But my, a question that came to my mind, which may look very simple, but maybe to also highlight it more, is, um, I mean, if I do have, I mean, I could sense that probably s someone doesn't like me, probably by their demonos or certain behavior or characters, or perhaps there's a way certain things I, I probably don't like, right? 
for instance, I, I mean, I wonder why I should call someone. And you don't return my call in 24, 38 hours, right? So it, it really hits, and I'm, mm. I won't like it actually, right? But how do I, as in a church setting, how do we sort of walk through these pathways? Those sort of characters and behaviors that I have that people don't like or that people have that I don't like, how do we walk through it? Because do we just live in denial of them? And because it now moves, moves us to a level where we're now doing that superficial law that you spoke about, that we're trying to really suppress certain behaviors. And I like the hymn we sang last week because I also reflected the hymn all through the week. But just to speak to it, how do we handle those, those aspects? Because I don't think they are, I think they are minute, but I think they are really slippery. Well, it's, a, it's a very practical question. And I think... <clears throat> <laughs> it's a very, but it's a very real question. I don't know if any, we we understand what we're like. You come to church. Some people say they don't send you. Like you are trying to greet somebody who's not being you. I think the first thing is to make excuses for that person. And make excuses. When I say excuses, sometimes people can be busy, and you miss one person. You, I don't know if you understand. People can be busy. You miss one person and uh, like somebody's greeting you and that person is greeting you and then you, you did not hear the person. So somebody greeted me on Friday after I did not hear. So the person reminded me, I said, I, greeted, I honestly didn't. My mind was focused on the conversation I was having with Bro Felix after the prayer meeting. So if that is, me can excuse the first time. So we call somebody, the person does not return call. You text the person, the person does not return text messages. Make an excuse. Sometimes it takes me two weeks to respond to WhatsApp messages. Two weeks. So I always come to my phone and there's always, there are always unread messages. And then I forget to respond. And this is me confessing because I've done it to many people here. You send me a message. So there are, there are times you are chatting with me. That's a, sometimes it's personality. If I'm online, sometimes the chat is like back and forth, back and forth. But the moment I drop the phone and a new chat comes up, sometimes for one week I will not look at that chat. So I'm begging now. So if I've done that to you, you uh, it's not intentional. It's a bad, it's a very bad habit. Responding to emails late, returning calls late, sometimes two days before I remember you. So it's a bad habit. So some of us are just wired like that. We are bad in that regard. So we can make excuses for them. Now, if the person continues doing it, perhaps you even met him and say, ah, brother G, I called you, you did not respond to my call. I say, ah, no, Allah. And then he does it again and again and again. We can't cast the person away from our miss. He's still a brother. If the person is a Christian, we must endure. And enduring, Paul says, love endures all. Endure and continue to do what you are doing. Continue trying to... And then sometimes people come to our church, people come here, having been hurt before. People have been hurt before. And so we are trying to tell somebody or build a relationship with somebody. Perhaps you are a brother and you are trying to talk to a senior. You are not even trying to like date her or anything. But, try, but the person has been hurt before. Or you are even a pastor. And people build up walls. Because in my last church, somebody was doing this. And then I allowed the person into my life. And the person scattered my life. In my former church, they said we should do brotherly, brotherly. People were coming to my house. And all of a sudden, they broke my television worth 500K. They spoiled this, they spoiled. So sometimes people are coming with hearts from where they are coming from. 
And sometimes people may be responding to hurts that we are not even aware of. You may have said something somewhere that the person got to hear is practical stuff now. And we have all experienced this. And then the person got to hear, and maybe you did not even say that in that way. But when news gets down from person to person, it has changed. From person to person, it has changed. And that person is not bold enough to come and confront you and say, why did you say this thing about me? Which is supposed to, what, what's happening? What's supposed to happen? And instead of the person coming to clear that issue, the person keeps it in the heart and then responds in a certain way. Just keep trying. Keep calling. Keep calling. Keep reaching out. Keep praying for the person. You can't stop doing, you can't force anybody to respond to your advances. But I think the ministry God has called us all into is enduring. Honestly, we have to endure with one another. We have to bear one, with one another's weaknesses and keep trying to talk to the person. A brother one time got to me and he was offended with Pastor Abutu. And the issue is that Pastor Abutu does not respond to WhatsApp messages. I don't know what to say because he does not respond to my own too as well. So I don't know what to say. to, to He does not respond every time to my own as well because he's busy. And so I drop the message, and 30 minutes later, I give him a call. And if he doesn't call, 30 minutes again, I give him another call. So you sort of have understood his personality and the fact that he may be driving, he drives a lot, he moves a lot. And so if I now pick, I now told the guy that, see, it's not like that. And what he needed to address, I think I could help him out with the thing, and I just went on. So um, somebody from SGBC, those of us in our men's group, I shared their conference next week, Saturday, on the men's group. The thing did not come to me. It came to, we went to Pastor Abutu first. And then the person met me and said, I sent program to Pastor Abutu. Pastor Abutu did not respond. And for me now, I can't now say, ah, don't mind Pastor Abutu. That's how he is. I took the flyer and said, thank you. Noted. We'll communicate to the proper people. And when it has been communicated, I shared it. It's not something to start fighting about. So the person can, we can learn to endure with one another. And with our craziness, we are all coming from different places. Some of the places where we are coming from, and just a bit, bit more practical, you don't accept visitors in your house anyhow. Like your parents were even, when growing up, that you can't accept somebody if you don't know their local government area, you don't know their job, you don't know this one. Nigeria is, Nigeria is a wicked place. People come to church. So sometimes when we are trying to reach out to people and people are blocking us out, it's because of some of those things. So let's persist, endure, be patient, reach out, Pray for and let us love the person even when they don't want to be loved. Let us continue trying to be loving. And one day, which is something I've seen, God will break their hearts. And then they will respond. One day something just happens and then that brother that is not talking begins to talk. And that's God answering our prayers and our efforts to show love to that brother or to that sister. I don't know if that's a... So, bro, bro, bonk. Question. This, this is the last question, so till we meet again in September. All right, just to... Stand so that they will see you. All right, just to add to that, I think um, a very important element in probably anybody that is difficult is prayer. If there is anybody that we really want to talk to or we are really trying to gel with and it's looking like it's difficult, you know, with your physical attempts, you take them to the to the altar and keep them in prayers. 
and keep them in prayers. It does, it does wonders. It does wonders. And we should also try to be, um, we should try to be, what's the word? We should try to be f- forward in our requests in the sense that um, a lot of times it's easy for us to, to sulk about the difficulty of trying to discuss with someone without ever actually going to that person to say, guy, I cannot talk to you. What's going on, right? So we should learn to be forward in our approach as well, but always ensure that person is in your prayers constantly. If there are no other questions, we have come to the end of August Q&A. So just by way of uh, encouragement, in September, we can be writing the questions and saving them. I know some of us have forgotten our questions. Write them and save them, and then when we gather again, we will... Um, answer them. Can we rise up and sing Because He Lives? It's the second song from this morning. God sent His Son. God sent His Son. They called Him Jesus. Father, we thank you for all of your mercies towards us. We thank you for how you've led us today from the Sunday school to the service to the rest in between and even now to the end of this question and answer service. Oh Lord, we ask that you would continue to bless us with understanding into your word. And as we go into this new week, we ask that you would grant us strength, grant us 
uh, endurance and perseverance in the midst of all of the difficulties and challenges we may be going through. Grant, O oh God, that we may seek daily to honor you and seek daily to glorify you in our lives. Thank you, Father, for we know you've heard all of our prayers this morning and afternoon. In Jesus' name we pray.